Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. <laughs> for logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Now, we're going to talk some rugby, women's rugby, in fact, because it has been on fire as of late, well, particularly over in the north, as we saw England take on France in the Six Nation final, winning 24-12 with the English. They're on another level at the moment, and uh, they've got a lot of resources and a lot of support for, um, for them behind them from their own, the rugby union, the ERFU, I must say the England Rugby Football Union, and uh, a player that has played in four World Cups. She's been a part of four World Cups. She's on the Rugby Players Board before coming World Rugby Women's Advisory Committee member. She's been there. She's done it. She knows what it takes to win at the top level. And she's on the show right now, Rachel Burford. And she's, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. Appreciate you coming on the show. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. No worries, no worries. How um, how much excitement is is building for later this year with England rugby? They're on another level, I must say, um, winning their fourth consecutive um, Six Nations title, mate. They're going into it as favourites. Is there a lot of excitement building up in the north? Yeah, there certainly is. I think now the Six Nations is out of the way, everyone can start actually talking mm. about the World Cup instead of the old cliche of players going, oh, no, we're just focusing on the Six Nations. But now there's a lot of talk, <laughs> a lot of buzz. Obviously, like good news with borders opening and ticket sales now on and, and people knowing that they can come over to support and watch. Uh, yeah, definitely a buzz about. Mate, talk, tell us about the support that they get up in the north. I was watching a few games on the TV, the crowds, the sold-out stadium. So it's actually a, a product that a lot of people enjoy over in the north. They're, they're really enjoying what England, particularly with France, uh, playing some, some exciting rugby. They've got a lot of support, not only from the fans, but the rugby union. They're right behind them as well. Yeah, certainly in England. I mean, the infrastructure that England's had in place for a number of years now is, is why we are where we are in terms of, A, the mm. dominance on the pitch, but also all the support of it, the, the record crowds that we've had recently has just been, you know, I think everybody hopes and talks about women's rugby. has got this appetite and it's got this fan base that wants to, you know, um, show its support. And now we're in it. And 
you know, for so long we've talked about it, but now it's actually happening. And I think it's, you know, down to all the kind of hard work over the number of years and also the domestic league. You know, all the domestic leagues are trying to drive crowds and fans coming in and mm. doing things differently and engaging new fans. And then that's had a effect straight onto the national team as well. So another part of that is the coverage we get now to the, you know, having the domestic game on TV and accessible. Um, but also the internationals having that accessible on terrestrial TV, you know, we, we're, we're finding new audiences that are engaging in the game. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a package to, to be where we are right now. But, but yeah, it's in, a, it's in a good spot, but there's still plenty more to do. Mm. Oh, there's plenty more to do, particularly down under here in New Zealand. We're just seeing the start of some competitions, particularly in the women's rugby game, starting. But can you just dive into a bit more about the infrastructure and and the co- kind of commitment that England rugby have committed to the women's game, just to kind of share the light of maybe some some lessons that we could learn down under. What kind of commitment has England rugby offered to the women's game up north? I think probably you know there's one thing you can give your your players contracts, and, and you know this is personal mm. opinion, but for a number of years we've had a strong elite group of players have a contract, be a professional rugby player, but everything outside of international there wasn't anything that was really concrete or giving players a you know a platform to perform and train in a professional environment week in week out and i think the difference of the support structure has been what they've done with the domestic league they've massively invested in which is now called the alliance premier 15 and you know it's as professional as it can be not all players are paid but there's a platform and as if it is professional. You know, I give my, my club Harlequins, for example, you know, we run a full-time programme for players who can come in during the day. We have students, army, internationals, and that that's happening across the country. There's full-time S&C, there's full-time coaches, full-time medical. So it's not just when you assemble for an international camp, you're getting all that infrastructure and that professionalism. That's happening day in, day out at your club, mm. which there are different levels at different clubs, but, you know, having that over time has a massive impact on the international game. And I think that's the biggest area of growth where the investment into the domestic game has had such a big impact um, on the international game, not just, um, you know, in terms of the the outcome of the product, the, you know, winning games, et cetera, but actually the depth that, that we have now because the league is yeah. so competitive. You have players playing at such a high standard that when they don't step onto the international scene, they're actually, they're there. It doesn't take them a couple of cats or, you know, some training to get into the mix of it. They're already there because they've been playing in a competitive league week in, week out. Mm. Rachel, just to, you know, talk, you talk a lot about the structure and the systems that are supporting these players. You know, you've got just the, the staff that go in the background that, you know, keep them fit and the medical staff that keep them on the field. Um, alongside the high standard that they're playing football on with your competitions. But at the end of the day, when you go into the World Cup, what is the difference between England as a, as a player um, compared to, say, the, the New Zealand girls that are coming up? Why are you so good? Is it because you're bigger? Is it because you're faster? Or is it because simply because you've got a professional system in place up there? Well, I think it's probably a mixture of all of it. I doubt there's one particular thing that, that sets them completely apart, that they're in a full-time program daily. 
so naturally the the physicality and the the level and tempo that they can play at and continue to play at it is remarkable but i i think it comes back to that depth you know we we've spoken about it over the six nations you know they had teams out with a bench that could have started with players not even in the team that could start in the team you know we spoke to the england coaches post the, the france game and they have a training session where it's 15 for 15 and and they're even standing on the sideline going we could put either of these teams out tomorrow and I think that depth is what is really dangerous for other teams is what they've got to come off the bench, what rotation they can put in place that doesn't actually affect the overall result. You know, you think of some, some nations have some really key players that they cannot afford to rest for one game or rotate out or put on the bench. They need to have them started. Whereas England have an abundance of players that they can rotate and not have too much effect of to what's going to happen with the result or how the momentum of that game might start and finish. And Simon Simon Middleton, the co- and you know because there hasn't been much mentioned about the coaching staff, is the coaching making a, a difference as well um, to the to the team up there? Yeah, I think they've got a lot of good support and structure around them. They've got a, a, a you know. A base of coaches internationally but then you go i keep referring back to the domestic league you go to those clubs they've got full-time staff there as well so your players are getting constant coaching support analysis feedback on club games on international games you know players know that they've got to put the work in to get better but your coaches are there to help facilitate that and you know simon Middleton, you know he's he's somebody that doesn't sit still so no matter how well they perform, he'll find areas to, to push on or, or ways to challenge players. Or fight. He'll, he'll know where his weaknesses are within his team and, and he'll make sure that they're, they're working on those. And that, that is probably another difference about them. Awesome. Hey, were you surprised with how um, off the pace the, the Black Ferns were? I know you've probably seen the review. They've had to go on through. Um, Glenn Moore's gone. They've got Wayne Smith coming in, Whitney Hanson, Wesley Clark take out of the assistance role. We we quite surprised with how off the pace they were uh, last season at the end of your tour when they faced England and France. And do you see them have the ability to come back and, and be, you know, the powerhouse they once were? Yeah, look, I think personally, I've always known and experienced the dominant side of, of the Black Ferns, whether that's in the Simmons or 15 shirt. And, and so, mm. yeah, naturally, I was surprised. Um, I think when you look at all the elements, if you don't know all the elements, then you probably don't understand or you are shocked at that performance. But then when you look back and think, you know, the the lack of rugby that they played, the lack of time that they had together, a lot of new caps, you know, disruption for, for everyone. But we managed to get a lot of rugby away during COVID. So when you put that together you know, you can understand why they were off the pace and not as ruthless as as they were. But, you know, for me, they their, their thing... New Zealand haven't suddenly got bad at rugby. They just weren't at test match pace. You know, they weren't fit enough and their set piece wasn't good enough. Um, but they're things that are quite easily fixable. And, and trust me, when you're coming out with your Wayne Smith and your um, Mike Crohn's and your Alan Bunty, like... We're, everyone's keeping a big eye out now uh, and they know that there's a big amount of investment going in and, and people aren't stupid to think that you're going to see the same New Zealand team in New Zealand come World Cup time, for sure. 
Uh, and so I, I yeah, think well. they can turn it around, definitely. Oh, we're hoping that. We're hoping that. It's, uh, it's a big task. We're seeing what England and particularly France have been able to do over in the north. Um, quick question about uh, the alignment within the England Rugby Union. Is there a real alignment between the women's game and the rugby, and the men's game over in the England RFU? Do you feel like there will be a lot of things we could learn down under with particularly how you know everyone's kind of on the same page and, and the equity that's in the game across the board between uh, the men's and the women's game? Yeah, I think I think we're still really far off from you know equity and equality, but I think what we do have is a very clear vision, and where the RFU want to get to in terms of with with the women's program, they want to get it to a level where you know it, it can mirror and be as strong as a brand as the England men are. It's going to take time to do that, um, but I think. How we get there is, you know, putting the game on a equal platform, getting equal coverage, because then, you know, that's where investment and sponsors and commercial opportunities come into the game, and that's how we can grow it. Um, and what I think is really important that we continue to do, which we are starting to do a lot of, is making sure that what we do within women's rugby is fit for purpose, and it's not mm. considering, oh, well, the men have done it this way, it, it worked for them, let's try and do that, just making sure that we're looking at our game through a women's lens and making sure it's the right fit and we've got a purpose behind it. And I think that's where the RFU have been really strong in, in their direction and their purpose of where they want to get to and how they want to get there. And and obviously it helps having, we've seen with the Six Nations, having its own window, the fact that we've had record coverage, record crowds, you know, fans breaking records week on week, it, it, not just in England, in Ireland, in Scotland, in Wales, France always managed to get such a good turnout. But just making sure that we're getting the, the game on a, on its own platform where it can reach as many people as it can is it, probably the start. Rachel, going, going into the, the World Cup, obviously with the favourites tag and coming out of the Six Nations, where, where do the major threats come from um, for your team in England to, to win that competition? Do you, is it coming from down here where you haven't haven't seen the teams and, and from the Wayne Smiths that are going to be bringing up a different all-black team that toured last year? Or is it actually sitting in your backyard and you've just seen the main competition and played against them? No, I think, you know, World Cups are they're special, but they're also they're different environments that you play in and you see different teams perform in different ways. I think we'll definitely see France be strong. I genuinely think New Zealand will be, be strong come with the World Cup. And, you know, Fiji's been performing really well. Obviously, we saw what they did, did in the Super oh, W. Yeah. I, I think, I, you know, I, I think England are in a really good place. Obviously, they've got all these record wins behind them. They're now the Grand Slam, back to back to back to back, or however many times it is. <laughs> they've got all that on their back. So they're going into that World Cup with a hell of a lot of expectation on them. They've got this, you know, tag on the back that they're, they're going to be expected to do what they did in the autumn to New Zealand again. They're going to expect to beat France again in, in the World Cup uh, pool. So they've got a lot on their own to just get over, as well as worrying about what's coming. Um, mm. So, look, a lot of people are saying the World Cup is there to, to lose at the moment, but a lot of people will, won't be writing off the other teams who, who will definitely want to spoil that party for England. 
Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show, Rachel, and sharing your insights and wisdom and what it takes for the England Rugby Union, the alignment that they've got at the moment and the success that the women's game is having up north. We really appreciate your time and, and uh, your answers on the show. Thank you so much. Take care and all the best for the rest of the year. Oh, thanks, guys, and I'll see you in New Zealand. Yes. See you down under. <laughs> Mate, that was awesome. That was awesome, team. Busy. Just to hear, kind of, yes. I got a question MP. for you because I'm I'm sitting there yep. listening to that, and I'm hoping that Wayne Smith is dialed in. What mm. did we just learn? What did you just learn what out of that conversation? That they're not quite there, but they're heading in the right direction. The alignment that the RFU is having, and what did you learn, mate? I'll. Basically, I learned that they've built a platform and a structure and a system and a and a fit for purpose program that has grown this game and has put them mm. ahead in such a short amount of time. Yeah, Kempi, that's that's the glowing. That was the glowing thing for me. Uh, Izzy, we're going to get your thoughts they've got on their it. own separate window. They've got yeah. all, they, 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 mate. That's what we're going to talk to about in the minute because I spoke to. The Canterbury Rugby Union yesterday, I was having lunch with the Crusaders about it, and um, the number one question was money. And it's all about money at the end of the day, but they're not going to make money out of this this brand of footy. But look at the success that they've had over in England and the sellout crowds that they've had, mate. It's, they need it. They need it. The crossover competition that Super Rugby can offer, you saw how good it was in, in Australia. It has to be done. has to be done. We're going to have a wee change of pace now. We're going to talk about some gaming. Gaming at schools, eSports. It might not be something you're overly familiar with. Obviously, slightly less traditional than rugby, cricket or league. But the reality is there is a career path here now. And our Kiwi kids are finding themselves increasingly more so interested in gaming than taking to a field. Henry Lawton is CEO and founder of Victory Up, a New Zealand company working with students and schools to give them an opportunity around eSports. And he's on the line now. Morena, Henry. Morena. How are you, brother? So tell us about this uh, eSports victory up that's that's in schools now, mate. Share us a little yeah. light on it. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah uh, eSports has been in uh, schools for around the past five years. Um, it's still in its infancy, still growing. Um, last year, I think, thanks to COVID, we had a big surge in the numbers. Mm. Uh, so we captured around 24% of the secondary schools around the country um, playing in, in video game matches just like traditional sports. So, so uh, tell yeah. us, how, how was it, how was it uh, received when you, when you went and approached schools with gaming? Because let's be honest, we all grew up gaming and our mothers and our fathers were trying to rip that PlayStation out of the wall and throw it outside. So I'm guessing that was the same approach when you went to the schools. How were you able to get it over the line and convince them that this is a career pathway that kids can actually, um, you know, benefit from? Uh, we were really lucky. Eh? We uh, connected really early with College Sport Wellington, who look after secondary school sports down here in our region. Um, they were really interested around increasing participation numbers in sports um, and just reaching and engaging kids. Uh, so they introduced us to the schools. Um, we got hit mm. with the hard questions, like you said. Um, it, was yeah. a, it was a difficult day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but it was being able to convince them that um, hey, let's let's start building some boundaries and guidelines around the, that digital consumption that you know schools currently have no control of. 
Oh, mm. kia ora, Henry. It's Kempe here, mate. Uh, great to great to read about um, what you're doing in schools and especially working with the Regional mm. Sports Trust down in Wellington. Um, just take us through a little bit of that numeracy literacy equation and how the connection between playing esports gives the opportunity to kids to further their careers and other vocations, such as, you know, um, obviously when I think about it, managing teams means managing people, mm. um, managing budgets means um, numeracy lit- uh, literacy. Just just give us your thoughts thoughts on that educational side of it? Yeah, so like um, if you look at esports as an industry, it it's actually covers a wide variety of uh, jobs and other industries. Um, you know, if you look at broadcasting, for um, a lot of online gaming is broadcasted live each and every day, uh, very similar to what we see in our traditional media. And, you know, we're talking about people with their setups at home, um, pushing out world-class quality broadcasting. Um, with a broadcast, you know, you, you have your your producer, you have your technical director, you have those that work on uh, cameras, uh, sound engineers. So, you know, that's just broadcasting alone, uh, let alone the commentary that goes with it. Um, and these are all highly skilled jobs that are very variety from, you know, someone that's good at talking to someone who's just good at mm. the technical side. Um, if we look at the your literacy and your numeracy and what um, esports can do, it's actually what we've found is the engagement levels of students actually being engaged back at school, which is, you know, we just seen the government announce recently uh, the, the truancy fund that's coming out because, you know, 40% of our kids aren't attending school. You know, um, so we're missing a huge portion of our kids. Esports actually, and we have data to prove it, is, is driving kids back to school, giving them a reason to be there. Um, and through that, we can start building off these careers into all these industries that we tie into. That's awesome. That's exactly why these kids um, have this opportunity, I think, through esports. I, look, I remember when my boy, he would want to play PlayStation, you know, he'd, he'd argue with his mother about playing it for an hour a night and he'd end up with four hours on it. To get this idea into mainstream is really innovative. Um, you mm. talk about the 24% of schools around the country that have initiated this this um, this co-papa. What are you, what are your goals? Like, what is your ultimate goal with this with this Kaupapa? Oh, I'm not going to lie. We want to see it up there with rugby. Um, there, mm. There's a whole section of of kids that we aren't reaching with traditional sports. Um, that divide's getting larger every year. Um, but what we are seeing with esports and uh, the schools we are working with, that it's leading these kids into traditional sports. Um, you know, a prime example is a school we work with. Had a bunch of students who wanted to play esports, uh, approached his sports coordinator. He said, Yep, let's do it. Um, and through that interaction throughout the year, he discovered that these students really wanted to play table tennis. The school just didn't offer it. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. connecting with a group of kids that he's, he's never been able to connect with, and then finding, Oh, they do have interest in sports. We just don't offer it. How do we offer those sports? Um, so, you know, it's, it's connecting, I guess. That traditional mindset that we have, you know, around the physicality of what sports is, and going actually, you know, esports does offer pr- pretty much exactly the same as sports. You know, talking around sportsmanship values, uh, leadership, communication, man, the strategic thinking that some of these kids can do, you know, in a split second, is amazing. You know, yes, we are missing the physical side of it, um, but you know, that's not to say that the the nutritional and and the physical values can't be implemented and built within the space as well. 
Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff that you're doing, Nutty, mate. Um, you, you're fantastic, and it's something that, yeah, it's going to be uh, among us for a very long time, mate. What are the numbers, quickly before we let you go, what are the numbers of kids playing games in New Zealand, and what have you got coming up, some events that you're probably going to hold, uh, particularly around the Wellington region, that we could help help you promote? You can see this. Um, so the numbers, you know, if we take New Zealand as a whole, we know that 76% of New Zealanders play video games. Um, we know that number increases uh, when we go down into our school-age kids, which is around 78%. Uh, the average age is, is mine and yours, unfortunately, is he still playing video games. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to put that number out there. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, so in, in our high school league that we currently run, you know, we last year we had around 1,200 students nationwide uh, for our first national tournament. Um, and it was great, you know, each region sort of went out and vied for their own regional titles. Uh, we took the top two from each region and, and put them in a national. Um, and we walked out, you know, and Auckland's the powerhouse. Um, they'll continue to be the powerhouse for a number of years um, until the rest of the, the country starts uh, building that infrastructure within their regions. Uh, mm. The events we got coming up is, is, is the high school league is our, is our cherry on top. Uh, there's a lot of events happening throughout the year. Um, you know, we, we're looking to host the big nationals down in Christchurch this year, get all the students down there from around the country to go and compete. Um, still on the hunt for sponsorship. Uh, it's uh, COVID as blessing as it was last year. COVID's been the bane in my side this year uh, with uh, <laughs> the isolation that has been putting on, uh, you know, schools, mm. businesses, and, um, you know, it's, it's impacted everyone, and I think it's impacted every industry, these uh, seven-day isolations that we've come across. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, bro. Oh, you got a busy year coming up, mate, and uh, you'll be down in Christchurch. You're still looking for some sponsorship. Hopefully uh, someone out there might be listening, baby, to connect with you along the line. Henry Lawton, he is CEO of Victor Up. He is doing some great things in schools, particularly in the Wellington area, but all around New Zealand, and we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge, mate. Thanks Thanks very much, Nutty. No, appreciate it, Lex. We're going to talk some golf right now. What a good putt and great finish there for Stephen Alker. What a performance. Boom, Stephen Alker, a winner again as he captures the 2022 Insperity Invitational. A winner again for sure. Two-time winner already in 2022. It was a weekend to remember for a collective effort by our Kiwi golfers as Steve Alker won yet again on the PGA Champions Tour. He'll be on with Smithy after 9 a.m. Remember... He's going to be on Smithy's show after 9 a.m. Lydia Ko snagged herself a third on the LPGA Tour, and Ryan Fox worked hard to despite a tough Sunday to finish in the top 10 on the DP World Tour in Europe. And Marcus Wheelhouse is Foxy's coach and a great golfing mind. He's on the show now. Morning, Marcus. Morning, Dougie. How are you, boys? Well? Oh, I'm very, very well, mate. I'm up and about now because Steve Alker, he is... Going great guns, mate. Is this a surprise for yourself? Like 2022, we know the success he had last year, but he's already back, back-to-back winners in 2022. I'm just looking at his stats, mate. Scoring average, he's first. Sand save percentage, he's fifth. Total driving, second. Ball striking, first. All-round ranking, first, mate. He is ticking all the right boxes for in, in, in the PGA Champions Tour. Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's um, he's a you know he's a real student of the game. He's he's worked hard at golf all his life, and um, you know mm. he's kept you know in really good shape all all through his career. Um, 
you know, he was never the longest guy on the PGA Tour. Um, but, you know, right now, because of his fitness and because of uh, his dedication to, to things, he's he's um, he's seen the fruits of that. And it's just uh, it's fantastic to see. You know, it, it, there's a lot of Bob Charles and, and Stevie. Um, you know, he's, mm. he's got that sort of way about him and that work ethic. It's, it's fantastic to see. What, what, what is it? What is it? Have you seen from his? What is the number one thing you can recognise from the PGA, where he didn't have too much success? He grinded. He, he grinded at his craft for a long period of time. To now, where he's getting the success. What was the number one thing you can point it to? Oh, look, I, I just think he's he's definitely uh, you know got got himself the formula of of the week that worked for him. So. When you look at a golfer, you know the, the main thing that they've got to do is you know just work out the golf swing and and sort of almost have that understanding beyond you know so you can so, so you can create a consistent move every week. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting that he, that he picked up something um, in the coverage when he was when he had the rain delay yesterday. Uh, he made a slight little adjustment. I don't know what that was. Whether that was a little bit of alignment, a little bit of rhythm, maybe something you know really subtle. Um, and, and that sort of gave him the confidence to go out there and, and do what he did in that last in that back nine. But um, so he obviously knows his game, I suppose, better than ever. And I think he's swinging mm. the best he's ever done in his life. I mean, I've known him since he was sixteen, and um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely looking very very good. Hey, Marcus, it's mm. Kempy, mate. How you going? I'm good, Kevin. You? Yeah, not too bad. Hey, mate, just the rhythm. Just talk a little bit about the rhythm. The the young Steve Elker to the to the matured fifty year old. What, what's the difference? Well, I suppose you, you know your body changes incredibly um, through the years, um, as we all know, and uh, and you know so the so the body body's flyability, uh, his golf muscles now after you know thirty years are a lot different to what he was when he was you know twenty, uh, for example. So. In, in that sort of mode of, of what you do, and, and obviously the knowledge grows and grows, and golf's one of those sports where you've just got such longevity. So the rhythm to me is in golf is sequence. So if your arms talk to your body, which you know, which which is obviously a big part of golf, then you can control the club. And that's what I'm thinking. You know, when I when I look at his golf swing now, he's just got such great sequence, which ultimately you know the punter would call that rhythm. Marcus, mm. so you know he's he's on the top of his game, and we're seeing. Like you know, Foxy and doing so well, and Lydia doing so well. What do you do as far as giving back to all of our young golfers here in New Zealand? What can they learn from Steve Elko coming through um, the grades at the moment? Um, just stick at it, you know, resilience. Um, all those good words that that you know we need to have in all sports. Um, but you know, golf and golf New Zealand needs to really sort of play on this at the moment because golf is in a in a great position. You know, through COVID, it's been a hugely popular sport um you know we're seeing um you know probably a little bit of a, a renaissance of like the, sort of the mid 90s when we had nobelos and the bob charles and stuff you know a lot of good players around the world playing really well and, and the game you know gets more interest as that as that comes so resilience means you know to me you know when you look at golf you know you might have that poor season or you might have that poor game but you've got to keep at it you can play for you know, a long, long time, and um, and Stevie's a great example of just you know someone that's stick, sticking at it. He's more, he's we all know he's earned more money in the last um, you know year than he had probably just about well he had definitely more than his whole career. So just um, just a great payback, and not that money's everything, but the, you know the victories and the and the kudos, uh, it's just fantastic to see.
Yeah, mate, what resilience cities have been able to show in the last year or two. We've been talking about him every day on the show, it feels like, since last year. He's winning, if not he's winning, he's losing a playoff, or he's in the top ten there or thereabouts, mate. You touched on the pathways. You touched on the pathways when you just answered that question. We've talked about a lot about on, on our show with the pathways, the New Zealand rugby, particularly with the league. The golf pathways, what are, what are those pathways? And is there a genuine pathway with New Zealand golf? And is there a real alignment between New Zealand golf and kind of the younger generation, the younger golfers coming through? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a few answers there, but I think, look, one of the things that sit around you know, us as golfers is we're probably going to be a little bit, as Kiwis I'm talking about, we're going to be probably a little bit behind the eight ball because of the golf course level. Um, you know, we're getting more and more you know, world-class golf you know, venues now uh, with the likes of Royal Auckland and... Um, you know, the Taridis and the TRIs opening soon. Um, so we're a little bit behind that um, in length and in, and in difficulty. Um, but the, the, look, the pathways are still, I think, um, you know, pretty good for us because of the accessibility. And, you know, when you look at golf, um, there is a golf course that we can play in all levels, um, you know, from the public to the, to the private. Um, you know, the amount that you can play is very, very easy. We've got a climate that's really good for golf. So... You know, those things really play on our sides. Um, we've got to get overseas. We've got to get amongst the best players and sort of see ourselves against them and see where we can, what we have to do um, as junior players and, and, um, and then sort of start to come back and get reassess and which reflect and which we all need to do in every sport. So those sort of things run true. I mean, I think, you know, university in the States is a good option for some players. I teach a couple of guys and girls that are over there that are doing great. Um, you know, the Jimmy Zings, the Belinda Mays. Um, you know, they're, they're at Duke and, and one in South Carolina. Uh, there's, you know, there's, so there is that, and then there's the local tournaments. But, um, yeah, there's nothing like yeah. getting amongst the, the big stuff in, in the States. Mm. Awesome. Um, what about Foxy, mate? How's Foxy going? Obviously, he's tied ninth. He had a bit of time back in home and obviously would have got out on the boat and got fishing. But seems like Foxy's in a real solid space right now. He's getting some results, which helps, which helps with the confidence. But... He must be happy with the tide night. Obviously, he struggled on Sunday, but he's in a good space. Very much so, yeah. I mean, he's had, uh, you know, most of us have got children, and, you know, like he's had the first year yeah. fatherhood, <laughs> uh, getting out of their way there, and, and, and you know, you, you sort of, you've got to define what your role is and how that works, and, and you know, you feel guilty because you're, you're good ladies at home and you're, not, you're out practicing and all those sort of good things. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's sort of found his rhythm with that, I think. Um, he's enjoying that. And obviously, you know, pretty happy to see the back of COVID in, in, in many ways. So um, he settled in and we, we did some really good work. And he was actually really keen to, he, he didn't actually do as much fishing as I thought. He was, he worked pretty hard at things over the, the couple of months he was back with, uh, with myself and just playing lots. So he's in good space. He's, he's enjoying his golf. Um, this week, the, the greens, he's never really been a big fan of grainy greens, which is what you get in Spain. Uh, where you know the, you've got to read which way the the grass lies um, for for people that that are non golfers, so uh, which is you know quite difficult. Uh, and so when you um, when you combine that, he he was you know pretty happy to to sort of work through and, and hit a pretty solid and finish top ten. So he's got a good chance for securing a spot in the PGA in the US uh, in next month. Um, and mm. he'll find out that he he's, might be expecting an invite any day. So uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, and then uh, onto the open, and hopefully you can get into that. I'm, I'm heading up there myself in July, so looking forward to seeing him when I get up there. Hey, Marcus, just going to yeah. go off the beaten track here a little bit. You've obviously got a, 
a, um, a pretty vocal partner in Mel Robinson that sits beside you. Um, has she been talking about... Really? Has she been talking a little bit about the Black Ferns? <laughs> We've had a lot of rugby on about the Black Ferns heading up to play in the World Cup this year. What, what's her thoughts? Um, or, or have you guys been having the conversation? Because you're obviously having a lot of success in golf. Have, have you guys talked about the Ferns and, and their trip up there to the World Cup and what they need to do? Uh, not really. Uh, she doesn't really listen to me when I talk about rugby, mate. It's, uh, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, she's a one-way street with, uh, with that, Kempi. Uh, no, look, I think we do talk a little bit about, you know, what that looks like and how that sort of sits around teams. And I, and I think that um, there may be a mention every now and again around just that whole, um, you know, coaching group and different things around that, um, which I think obviously been a pretty well-publicised topic. Um and and just and I, I suppose just the the lack of you know game time they've had in the last few years, which has been really the big killer, I think. Um, so yeah, mm. no, look, I, I I must admit we haven't gone into big depth there. Uh, it's a huge depth there, Kempi. But um, yeah, I don't think she'd listen to me anyway, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marcus. Look, let's be honest, Marcus. The only conversation we're getting from them is, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you folding that? Get up, do this, do that. That's the only thing that comes out of our wives' just, mouths, mate. We I love them. Get, I just get. Are they? I just get the go to golf, mate. Just go to golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, go uh, to golf, one mate. thing, because there'll be a lot of be a lot of golfing husbands at home. How do you get that? Can you tell me the trick? <laughs> I, I don't know, mate. It was a, it was a, it was a very long uh, process to get the right one, but I think I've I've, I've, I've picked the winner, mate. I've picked the winner. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I had to wait hey, about thirty-five just years to pick the right one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're there now, mate. You're there now. Quickly, just before we let you go, Lydia Co, you happy with where she's at with her game? Yeah. Look, you got you got to love Lydia, don't you? I mean, I don't know if you guys mm. heard that interview after after round. She she said out oh, she yeah. had, a, had a monthly <laughs> and and, um, and stuff. I mean, you just got to, and look. That's one thing I just love about Kiwis, mate. I love you know honesty's a, a is a great thing. Foxy's very honest when he does. Um, you know, interviews and, and gives a lot of time and a, and a lot of thought about that. And so does Lydia. She's just very honest about a game, and she's in a great spot, mate. Sean Foley's an awesome coach. Um, I know Sean. He's um, he's just he's very positive. Um, he's got a very good technical mind. He's made some mistakes through his you know career. I think with Tiger, and he admits that. Um, and he's uh, he's now got science. He's got you know his experience of where he sits with. Lots of different players, and uh, he's a hell of a coach. So I, I put a, a lot down to, to him for her turnaround. Um, obviously, yeah. you know she's done it, which is you know an obvious. But um, yeah, she's she's an amazing athlete, mate. Awesome. Really appreciate your time, Marcus Wheelhouse, talking about Steve Alka, uh, Ryan Fox, and then just Lydia Co. Outstanding ambassadors for New Zealand golf. We appreciate your time, mate. Back to the golf course. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Liz. Cheers, mate. Take care. <laughs> Well, 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 where do I start, really? Where do I start? Yesterday morning, dropped Arlo at, at his new school, was up and about, and then I realised reality hit. I was like, wow, my cows are standing in the paddock, mooing at me, going, look at you, you sad old man. Can you come over here and please drench me? <laughs> and I was like, okay, moo, I'll come over. Anyway, so I walk over and I... Grab me a little uh, uh, pour on, a bit of Sidectin pour on, and all you farmers out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah, anyway, I grab them and I, yeah, a little drench pack, and I, I, I start milling to them, and I just grab this little stick. <laughs> you know, you just grab a stick. You're not hitting them. You're not hitting them, but you just need to round them up so you can have a bit of whip because they're cheeky little fellas. They, they can step you. They're very mobile. 
Anyway, so I walk them through the house, uh, through the paddocks, and I go around to the to the cattle yards, and I'm walking them into the cattle yards, open up the gate. They're very friendly, and they just follow me. So I was pretty surprised. Anyway, get them in there, get them in the race. Yeah, and then I'm looking at them. I'm like, how much do you weigh? Because obviously it all goes on weight. You know, 300, you got to put 30 mil, 200, 20 mil, and so on and so on. And I'm thinking, well, you, you're definitely double. You're one and a half of me, so you're, you're 250 clicks. So I put them in there and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I put them in the race and I go on and I squeeze in 25 mil and I just pour on their back and they start mooing at me going, thank you, you haven't done that ever. So well done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then they go on the race, and I head them back to the through the paddocks, and I put them in there now. And I've, what I've done, I've, I've, I'm, I'm break feeding. So what, when you're break feeding, you, you obviously set up a bit of a, a bit of a fence along there, and, and then you kind of once they eat that out with the water, you kind of just open up the fence, so you're breaking the grass, so you're giving them more pasture to, to eat. So that's what I've done, boys. Bit of country clued up this morning. Yesterday got the the cows drenched. The cattle, I must say, they're not cows because cows are women and. Kettle or bloke, so I've heard. Uh, yeah, so so things are sorted. Things are sorted in the Dag household, mate. There you go. All over. That's oh, very impressive, Daggy. And um, like, I think you're right. It's a, look. I, I love that you've got all the tricks. Like, you get yourself a stick. They're agile. They sound like they go all right on the wing for the warriors. Some of these cattle. They're, um, <laughs> they, they sound like they've got a bit of skill and a bit of nous towards them. Do um, how long have you mm. been out in Norhoka there by, out in Clarkville? How long have you been out there? I've been there for a year now, and I was very lucky. I had cattle yards here already, which helps um, because. Yeah, you just need to get up and and you put them in the race and you stand over them and you kind of can put them into the into into their pens after they've been um, you know drenched. So I've been here for a year, Louis, and it's a learning curve, I must say. There's always something that you need to, that needs to be done, and uh, kind of it's constant learning. Obviously, spoken about the irrigation, got that in, putting in the troughs, um, but yeah. Slowly learning. Oh, it's good stuff. I wonder, um, and, and of course, Hydroflow have been supplying New Zealand-made apex and anchor trough valves and fittings for over 25 years. We still haven't addressed the fact that you're still running that pipe above the ground. Um, so Hydroflow, <laughs> we still need to sort that one out. I wonder near how far out, because you're quite close to the motorway there, I wonder how, if you'll hear many people duck shooting on Saturday. I'm just trying to work out. It's not necessarily... Uh, duck country. It's not like it's, uh, this, it's like Southland or anything like that. Oh, there'll be a bit. Yeah, there'll be a bit. bit. Yeah, I've, I've done a bit of duck shooting around here. Yeah, with Ben Fennell a couple of years ago. Uh, we we uh, stalked some Maimais around here, some some lake, not Maimais, stalked some lakes, some some little <laughs> dams and, and have we duck shoot. So there is a few around here. But yesterday, Louis, I caught up with Joe Moody and we were trying to get him on the show for tomorrow because he's a, you know, we thought he'd be a duck shooter, but he's actually not a duck shooter. He's uh, He's just the farmer. He's down the road from me. So he's going to come on the show tomorrow morning. So there you go. We'll get a wee update from Joe Mo- Joe Moody in the morning. Seven forty. She's coming on the show. Yeah, that's good gravy, man. I she I thought he might be a duck shooter because I know those boys, Luke Romano and Joe, and um, they, they you know they love to get out there and go hunting. Uh, that's exciting, Joe Moody. Well, tomorrow is actually a big show, Kimpy, because that's Joe Moody in the seven o'clock hour. After eight, we're doing a full hour to celebrate New Zealand Music Month, uh, which is of course May every month. You know the the symbol, the target on the chest. Um, we will be talking to King Capisi or for the whole hour. He's going to come in and join us and talk to us about his journey in music and in sport. Yeah, Billy Urali um, from Wellington, 
Whanganui Atara and uh, played league, played some league down there, Izzy, for Eastern Suburbs, but mean mm. basketballer, mate. You know, he's got a really good program called Elevate uh, and Hoops um, Nation and loves his music. He's just written a, written a song, actually, for the Auckland Rugby League. You'll see it on, if you go to the Auckland Rugby League, you'll see it on their Facebook page and all their social at the moment, written by him just to... Um, Get, get our club football activated because we've been quite over this COVID period. So, uh, great bloke. I did a, did a, he did a awesome. um, separate gig for me in New Plymouth once. I was just walking past and I've known him for a while. And <laughs> he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just cruising around. He said, come in here. It, it, it was the first time that he'd done a gig for quite a while and he'd set up in a pub down in, down in New Plymouth. And, mate, I did, a, I did a whole set just for me. He did a whole set just for me, him and his wife. And his Damn. wife um, has a voice of an angel, mate. She can sing too. I had no idea you knew you you knew Bill so well, man. That's um, Caps. He's, he's very excited to get in here. He's very passionate You'd be about surprised basketball. At who I'd know? Yeah, I don't. Louis. I don't know You'd if I want surprised. to know as well. I just feel like there's a little bit of a, a like a allure of kind of secrety around you. Best mate Shay Fu. That's who his best mate is. I thought you. I thought you were saying yours. <laughs> Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.